Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. This is Mark Shapiro. I am delighted to have you for a very special part one of a two-part podcast with two amazing guests. This is part one of a two-part conversation with the wonderful Dr. Samir Shah and Dr. Vinny Aurora. Dr. Shaw is a professor of pediatrics at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine, and he is also the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Hospital Medicine, which is the official publication of the Society of Hospital Medicine. Now, the Society of Hospital Medicine represents greater than 20,000 hospitalists around the world, of which I am a member. And Dr. Aurora is a professor of medicine at the University of Chicago. She is also the social media editor for the Journal of Hospital Medicine. And the two of them join me for this two-part conversation. And in part one, we really jump into an extraordinary issue of Journal of Hospital Medicine, or JHM, as we refer to it. The May issue of the Journal of Hospital Medicine is a really unique take on how to publish and how to share information. It is all perspectives from around the world on different aspects of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's a wonderful issue. It is packed with incredible stories and vivid imagery and great powerful lessons that can be leveraged, not just in medicine, but outside of medicine. And it's all available open source. All of the COVID-19 material in JHM has been made open source and available to the public. The show notes for this episode and also part two, which will be coming tomorrow, packed with links. So please take advantage of that. And in this episode, we really jump into the strategic thinking that goes into creating something like this, the agility that it takes to harvest these articles and and surface them and get them published and turn them around in days, which in academic publishing is not the common experience. Samir and Vinny clearly work in parallel really, really well together. And they work in series really, really well together. And it shows here, three-person podcasts are kind of tricky. And these two are just, they're pros. They're so good. And they have so many wonderful things to share. And I think in this episode, the clarity of vision and the enthusiasm for the work and the desire to help all of us do better and get better really shines through. And I think you're going to really enjoy listening to the two of them speak. It was a absolute honor to speak with them and to have over an hour with these two extraordinary leaders in medicine. I'm also proud to say that this two-part podcast is produced in partnership with the Journal of Hospital Medicine, which is the Society of Hospital Medicine's monthly peer-reviewed journal. And to read more on COVID-19 and its impact on hospital medicine, please check out www.journalofhospitalmedicine.com. All of their publications related to COVID-19, as I said before, they are all available open source to the public. And it's a real thrill for me and for Explore the Space podcast to be able to work in partnership with JHM and with the Society of Hospital Medicine on this. Before we get to part one, just want to remind everyone to please take a look at the website for Explore the Space podcast, www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can find me on Twitter anytime at ETS show and on Instagram at Explore the Space Show. 
You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. And please do take a look at the archive for Explore the Space on the website. There are luminaries in hospital medicine in that archive, and there are luminaries from all different aspects of life in there. And it's it's a real pleasure to be able to refer people to that archive. Please, again, also, wherever you like to download your podcast, be sure to subscribe. There's always great content coming. And as I said, this is part one. Part two of this podcast will be coming tomorrow. So you definitely want to subscribe so you don't miss it. And again, definitely check out the Journal of Hospital Medicine on the website and also at Medicine on Twitter. Dr. Shaw and Dr. Aurora, they're phenomenal. It was a treat to speak with them. This is part one of a two-part conversation. I think you're going to really enjoy it. So without further ado, Dr. Samir Shaw and Dr. Vinny Aurora. Vinny and Samir, welcome to Explore the Space. This is so wonderful to have you both. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. We are at an incredible intersection where in the midst of an unprecedented challenge, people, organizations, teams are really rising and doing exceptional things. And one of the organizations, one of the entities that for me has really stood out in our world kind of of medicine, but I think even outside of medicine has been the Journal of Hospital Medicine. I didn't expect this. I did not expect to be doing a podcast with the two of you on this subject matter. But the ascendancy of importance of this one journal, this one slice of healthcare and how we teach and learn and educate and engage, the way it has risen, at least for me, I have not experienced something like this before probably since like up to date came out when I was a medical student where I I go to it and I'm looking and I'm learning and I'm connecting with other people. It's really remarkable. So I want to just kind of stop there and then Samir, let you take that on board, but then ask you, was this the vision? I mean, three months ago when this all was really kicking off, when the COVID-19 pandemic was really starting to erupt within the United States, as the editor-in-chief of this journal, what was the mindset that you took to get us to where JHM is now? Well, it was clear that something big was was happening um, back then. And, and I can take a step back a little bit. And as I became editor-in-chief of the journal in January of 2019, one of the big parts of the vision for me was um, changing how we interact with our readership and how our readership interacts with us. And so part of that goal was changing the content we publish to make sure that we're relevant, not not just to folks who are in academics, but to folks who are practicing clinicians as well. But because of um, how social media has changed the landscape, I think it was really important for us to take advantage of, of the new landscape as well. So that brings us to what we have before us, which is, I think, going to be one of those items for me in the world of medical education, this May issue, the May 2020 issue of Journal of Hospital Medicine, which is this collection. It's this collaborative effort of dozens of healthcare professionals sharing insights, experiences, and and, and perspectives. 
Give us, give us the strategic view. I, I love to do this. Give us that strategic view, the high-level view of what this May 2020 issue of Journal of Hospital Medicine is supposed to be a reflection of. You know, it's a really unusual issue for us. It contains one original research article, and that is an article from Japan that focused on increasing hand hygiene. Uh, while the study wasn't done during the epidemic, clearly this is an important part of us and what we need to do to prevent transmission of the of the virus, both within and out of the hospital setting. Um, but what ended up happening was in in about mid-March, as it became clear that many states were going to close schools and have some version of a shelter-in-place mandate, I don't know if mandate is technically the correct word, um, but, but really changing how we interact with one another and everything we do around work, um, it became clear that that this was going to profoundly affect hospitals and hospitalists. And we thought it was important to capitalize on that. And and as an editorial team, we meet on a regular basis and we discussed what would be most helpful to the field, to our colleagues, to healthcare workers more broadly. And we thought, well, of course, we should be publishing content uh, related to COVID. And as we started receiving content related to COVID, a big concern arose that caused us to really talk about our philosophy as a journal. And, and that philosophy is we want to be publishing good science that that has an impact on clinical practice or on systems of care or on health policy. And we want to published perspectives that reflect the experience, the lived experiences of of our constituents. And we received a large number of case series describing patients with the illness or describing some varied presentations of patients with this illness. And the quality of this work did not meet the bar for publication. And, and I'm sure you've seen on social media, this has been an important point of discussion about whether the bar for publication has changed during the COVID epidemic. And, and as an editorial team, we decided that the bar should not change. Our standards are our standards. And if these articles, even if they are going to land on the front page of every newspaper in the country, if they're not up to our standards, we should not be publishing them. And at the same time, we started receiving a lot of really interesting perspectives um, on on different aspects of the epidemic. And that got us really excited. And so we made a decision. And this decision came, boy, maybe five weeks before we were scheduled to publish our May issue. We decided, hey, you know what? We're going to scrap our regular content that we had scheduled for publication. Much of that content is already online anyway. We're going to postpone the print publication of that content. Instead, we're going to make an issue dedicated to COVID, and we're going to publish the best stuff that we're receiving. And the best stuff that we were receiving um, and the things that were most likely to help advance knowledge in the area were not the research articles, um, but it was really the perspectives. And it started out with Alan Detsky submitting a perspective on SARS 2003 and what he learned from that and how that applied to COVID-19. And, and as you may know, Alan um, really led a lot of the SARS 2003 response in Toronto. Um, and that was a wonderful article in how he brought his learnings and a lot of that centered around physical distancing, remote 
conversations, remote meetings, especially when half of the the city of Toronto's leadership team around the SARS response developed SARS, they realized that they quickly had to have a new model of care. And this was, you know, what what seems in like the the Stone Ages for communication. Um, there was no Zoom, there were no smartphones, uh, but they were they very rapidly implemented remote conferencing, and that was a strategy that they implemented very early in the COVID epidemic, uh, and that got the ball rolling for us, where people just said, "Hey, I have this idea. What do you think of this? Hey, I have this idea. What do you think of this?" We initially had five or six articles planned. And people just started sending in unbelievable content, and then these themes started emerging, where where rather than just publishing one or two review articles on on COVID, it became a series of articles that captured different facets of what different institutions were doing in response to this. It's interesting to hear you frame it and to frame the question of, are your editorial standards changed because of this? And I'll say, at least for me, as you know, someone who's been reading JHM since I joined Society of Hospital Medicine, I think I was still in residency, you've absolutely changed it. This is what I want from you now. And, and I'll share with you the one that has really leapt off the page is one that was written by Vinny. Implementing physical distancing in the hospital, a key strategy to prevent nosocomial transmission of COVID-19. Vinny, you are one of those people that I've known about since before I knew you as <laughs> one of the drivers of our profession, right? You you are you're a titan Thank in this. You. And you could have written any you're welcome. You could have written anything you wanted. You could have written a study. You could have written case reports. You could have written just about anything, and we would have all soaked it up. You chose to do a perspective. Why? Well, I think Piggybacking on what Samir has eloquently highlighted, my thought is there was just a thirst for information. And where you thought you were leading and you were doing well, maybe that was a contribution. And so um, the perspective that we wrote, uh, which was a team effort from our hospital medicine group, uh, it it emerged because our hospital medicine group, um, and I think Samir rightly points out, hospitalists have been on the front line of the crisis uh, with COVID. Um, maybe not as much in the press as it's been apparent as some other specialties, but certainly when the ER calls to admit somebody with COVID or person under investigation, they're calling a hospitalist. And one of the things that was quickly clear in our group was that we needed to get behind social distancing. And it's interesting because my current job, I I work with hospitalists, but I also work with residency programs and all specialties. And I saw hospitalists actually taking the lead here and being like, okay, we're going to switch our multidisciplinary rounds to Zoom. We're going to do telephone sign out. I mean, I've been studying sign out for 20 years. So for a group to say, okay, we're just going to throw this this to the wayside and we're going to socially distance. I mean, that to me was a huge move forward to say, we're not going to do things the old way. Um, And we're going to espouse a public health approach and a personal safety approach, but we're still going to get the job done. And how are we going to do it? We're going to adopt our iPass smart phrase. We're going to make sure we audit the signouts and that they're going well, and we're going to use readback. So I thought it was interesting in the sense that you know, working in medical education, sometimes these things are, you know, rounding, for example, getting people to quit rounding as a team was tough, you know, but I saw the hospital as sort of leading the way with espousing social distancing. And so I thought, well, here's a chance. And in our hospital, we created sort of a, you know, a, a one, uh, like a series of email tips, as well as a PowerPoint uh, tip slide. 
we've been doing this. This is something you should adopt. Um, and I think that that is what tipped others to being like, okay, we can do this. If the hospitals are doing this, we can do this too. And I thought at that point when, you know, another thing that I will say is in this quest to get information and obviously being a social media editor at Journal of Hospital Medicine uh, with Charlie Ray and Samir thinking, okay, we can do a tweet chat. What are people thinking? Uh, what? Let's get inside the mind of hospitalists. And, um, and so I put out the slide that we created into the into the chat. And I got a lot of, a lot of questions. A lot of people are like, can I use this? And so that's what initially gave me the idea and approached Samir to be like, Hey, I think there's something here about social distancing or physical distancing, I should say in the hospital, uh, particularly since everybody was thinking about six feet apart and physical distancing at home. And how do you physically distance in the house? But I mean, thinking about clinical care, consultation, multidisciplinary rounds, um, you know, more than just the telemedicine part with your patients, there's a lot of contact you have with clinicians and how do you convert that to be safe so that you can preserve the um, health and welfare of your healthcare workforce at a very precarious time seemed like an important topic. And so I will say uh, that's partly I was influenced by my current job also, which was helping all of these groups physically distance computers in their workroom. I mean, if you think about workrooms, they are cramped spaces that usually have as many 20 people in like a one space and saying, okay, you're going to be six feet apart in a workroom is is quite a challenge. And so, um, so I think those are kind of the things that were going through our head, which is, you know, it's opposed to standard research. How can we get usable information out there quickly? And so I'm, I'm grateful that Journal of Hospital Medicine led the way there. The, the thing that was interesting as I was listening to you say this, and I'm looking at the title the whole time, Implementing Physical Distancing in the Hospital. I feel like having read the article and listening to you discuss the genesis of it, your role as a leader in it, and the impact that it's having out at the front line, I feel like you could take hospital out and put just about anything else in. You could put yeah. any industry. You could put my household. Was that intentional? Right. I feel like this article so, is so generalizable, so widely yeah. applicable. Was that an intentional move? Relevant to Journal of Hospital Medicine and for hospitalists to use it. I will say the other thing uh, that influenced me was, you know, I, I do a lot on LinkedIn as well. You know, it's interesting. As some many people know, I'm married to a health economist as well. And so there's this whole, you know, political standoff, like doctors versus economists, who's going to open the economy or you know, who's going to save public health. And so my husband is a doctor and an economist. And so I have the benefit of uh, living with a physician who's also an economist and also being uh, neighbors with other economists. And so I can assure you that it's not as clear cut as doctors versus economists on social distancing or physical distancing and the stay at home orders. Um, you know, a, a lot of economists are worried about public health, too, and about life lives lost and understand that this is a long term game that we're in and that we've got to beat the pandemic. And so um, so I think that the other thing that was going through my mind is doing a lot of advocacy on LinkedIn and social media about the need to adhere to social distancing. Um, and, you know, thinking about healthcare professionals leading the way. So if we can model this at work and model this at home, then we can help be leaders and model this for our community. We kind of try to make it accessible to anybody. Um, and then on LinkedIn, for example, you know, there are a lot of business leaders and 
politicians and policymakers, as well as um, non-healthcare industry folks on LinkedIn. And I had posted something about the importance of flattening the curve and leaders taking a role in physical distancing in their office places and sending people home when they can to telecommute pretty early on. And I had people respond to me to say, thank you. You were one of the first people that alerted me to this. And I think that that's important because as doctors, and especially as hospitalists, we live and breathe this. Like this is just like everything we live and breathe right now. But we have to remember that for our neighbors and our community members uh, and our business leaders that are at home, they are not living and breathing this. They do not understand what's going on in the hospital. And so how can we have those conversations um, and even thinking about partnering the journal with the social media outreach to say, this is a really key change in our industry and we want you to follow suit as well. Samir, hearing all of that and hearing how I responded to these articles and what I can only imagine is the response you're hearing from lots of people across healthcare and outside of healthcare. In your vision and in your work as the editor-in-chief of the journal, were you looking for content that would step outside of the norm and reach a much broader audience? Absolutely. And and part of the reason for that is when you when you look at hospital leadership structures and leadership structures within health systems and, and even beyond, hospitalists are very much involved and are really at the forefront. And and a lot of what we do within the hospital setting has much broader implications. And so part of the goal here is to absolutely capture a broader audience. And do you feel like having put these articles out there and embraced that concept, which I would submit, I don't think is a very novel one in healthcare publications, is it working? I think so. Um, and and I'll give you a few. I'll give you a few examples. Um, one of the things that we did at our institution and. In, Katie Meyer wrote about this in one of the perspectives that was included in the journal called Pediatric Hospital Medicine Management, Staffing and Well-Being in the Face of COVID-19. Many, many hospitalists need to be ready to drop things at the moment's notice to rush to the hospital to take care of patients. We have jeopardy systems or some form of backup. Uh, that is intensified in the setting of COVID where your colleagues are getting sick or maybe in quarantine and so unable to be physically present in the hospital. A number of physicians come from two physician families where both members may be frontline providers uh, and working at odd hours. And for um, those with children, that puts a lot of stress on the family. And one of the things we created was a system of emergency backup. So we created a survey that matched up physicians with other physicians who had children of similar age and were within the same geographic region of the city as people that they could connect with on an emergency basis to uh, drop off their children for childcare. I obviously and many other leaders in my division volunteer to say, hey, if you have an emergency and I'm at home, drop your kids off to my place and I'll be happy to watch them. Um, but that was a model that many other divisions had not thought about 
And we were glad to see this approach adopted across many divisions within our own institution, as well as having other institutions reach out uh, once this was published uh, to learn more about the the details of how we had done this. And and that was a point of pride for us in thinking about global well-being of our workforce. The the other article that I think really hit home for me was was the one by General Mark Hurtling. And you've had Mark Hurtling on this show uh, a number of times, uh, but having him talk about lessons of leadership from the military and how that carried over to the hospital setting, I, I thought was was absolutely fantastic. And that, that resonated pretty broadly. I think our JHM chat where, where Mark was on uh, generated over 10 million impressions. Wow. Um, Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And actually, I wanted to also add that um, one thing about that piece is it's again, it struck a chord with people across healthcare. Um, so I was in a Facebook group. I'm in a Facebook group, like a physician, women in leadership Facebook group. And I randomly saw somebody post this article there. And I was like, hey, I'm I'm uh, on the team that yeah, that's uh, my shop. tweet chat. Yeah. And uh, and come join our tweet chat and uh and people were and you know like you don't need to be a hospitalist to join and they're like great what do i do i'm like just follow jhm chat (laughs) so it, it is always nice when you see something that that the journal does that speaks to people across uh specialties um it speaks to patients and it speaks to others and so i can i think that i agree that article was definitely a home run and i saw a lot of people paraphrasing things after that tweet chat being like, um, oh, I need a battle buddy or this person is my battle buddy, you know? Yeah. Um, and so so that was really nice to see that uh, we had a contribution to help people think strategically about how to, how to tackle this. It's funny, as I'm listening to the two of you reflecting on this, there's been something missing for me about why I liked this issue so much. And and now actually I get it. Samir, hearing you talk about the way you all created a childcare program and Vinny, you being in a, in a group that crosses all different specialties doesn't matter, but everybody wants to kind of participate around these topics. This humanizes us. This work, we're not doctors. We're not leaders. We're just, we're also just people kind of muddling through trying to figure this out. And I think that it's JHM and you both leading this, you've broken through a very important barrier where we are much more connected to just other human beings through a journal, which is not a common experience. Vinny, when you hear me say that, because that, that this just crystallized for me in this conversation, when you hear me say that, what is what does that resonate like for you? You know, I would say that, you know, a lot of it's a really weird time right now because we are all in such great need of connection, but yeah. we don't have that human connection. And so um, I remember reaching out to Charlie and the SHM team and the JHM team being like, hey, guys, we need to do a chat. Like, you know, we need to get people on on the topic. And, you know, Samir was like, we don't have our articles yet. I'm like, well, let's just do a chat just <laughs> to get people thinking, you know, yeah, just do um, it. because we needed something. And so and I remember the reason being that um, in this really odd virtual environment, um, I I know that JHM chat creates a community for people. And I remember when we did that first chat, it created it was more about, well, 
what are the issues we're facing? And then that could help inform and uh, we could carry those themes in through the journal. Um, and so I think that that it, it was really about creating a community and creating an open community where anyone question or concern or solution could come and say, here's what I've done. And I think that was what uh, working with JHM and SHM was so great to say, you know, hospital medicine is a big tent. It's not just hospitalists. It's advanced practice providers. It's we're being redeployed into the ICU. So there were critical care people on on the line. Uh, it's emergency medicine is the front line of the hospital. And so, so I think it's um, like COVID has brought us closer to all of our colleagues. I think so has the journal's perspectives been more applied to more colleagues outside of hospital medicine. Some do you like this idea of the Journal of Hospital Medicine and the associated chats? Do you like the idea of it being a gathering place, of it being the place where like, you know what, I'm going to see Samir there. I'm going to see Vinny there. Charlie's going to be running the thing. I'm going to see all these other people. I'm going to check in. Do you like that idea? I love that idea. Totally. You know, I, it's the best. Right. It, Right. That that and and I think the title of Vinny's article, right, using the terminology of physical distancing rather than social distancing. Yes. Right. I think that hit the nail on the head because totally. it is. It, we need the connection, and if we as a journal can create a space for people to connect, then then we've accomplished a, an important part of our mission. The other important thing we're doing is any article related to COVID-19 that we publish during the pandemic is open access, meaning anyone can access it for free. You don't have to subscribe to the journal to do that. And that's that's another thing we thought was really important in, in how can we how can we best serve the community and our colleagues? Are there other levers that you are looking forward to pulling to get these articles out, right? They're open source so anyone can see them, but to get them into the hands of people in business, economics, engineering, people who are teaching their kids at home, educators, are there things that you want to do acknowledging the value that these works have for a broad audience to actually get it into their hands, get it onto their screens? Yeah, and and I think some of the terminology that has come out of this series of articles will will stick around for a long time that will resonate with all of the folks you mentioned. And a couple from Mark Hurtling's article, the find a battle buddy. That yeah. as soon as you hear that, you know exactly what it means. Yeah. And it applies to so many other settings when there is a high degree of stress. The other one that really resonated with me was from the article by Peter Cram, All Hands on Deck, Learning to Unspecialize. Yes. And that term, learning to unspecialize, was another one that really resonated with me, where where it intuitively means that you have all of these folks who may not have been on the front lines in a long time that are subspecialists or sub-subspecialists now working as, as generalists and realizing, hey, this is a completely different way of practicing uh, that they haven't done in a while. And it's, it's, it's something that takes a little time to pick up. Vinny, expand on your response to that. What, what was it that Samir was bringing up for you that, that makes you feel so engaged? 
Well, I, I love the idea that uh, Samir, as a leader, as well as Journal of Hospital Medicine, has been a place from the get-go that's been welcome to new ideas. You know, I mean, we were the first out there with a tweet chat, a CME, affiliate, you know, accredited tweet chat for articles with authors that we evaluated. We've been an early adopter of the visual abstract dissemination out of uh, that originally uh, came out of uh, Dr. Andrew Abraham's work and Charlie Ray has been a huge leader and proponent of that. And we're also bringing along junior people. I mean, we have like tons of fellows that apply to work with us, which has been amazing. And so I think one of the things that's been exciting is that we've been able to take risks and say, hey, is this working? What can we do here? And in thinking about our social media feed, particularly with reaching clinician um, audiences, I will say I have seen some of our articles being retweeted by um, non-industry folks, uh, by people that have large followings. And I think we need to kind of be more strategic about that. I also think visual abstracts have a great opportunity through Instagram as well as LinkedIn to reach a larger audience. And so, um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity to get in front of people to say there's a science here that on, on how to manage COVID um, and in implementing, uh, you know, protocols in your hospital. And also, I think one other thing is the recent articles on well-being. I mean, everyone is really struggling right now with how do I manage homeschooling and, uh, you know, uh, you know, running all these Zoom calls and getting food into our house um, and caring for my family. And so I think, you know, particularly for women in medicine, for example. Um, so I think that's an, another area that we can lead and say, hey, this can be done. And um, there are people who can help you do this. I think there's a real opportunity there too. And I think that one of the things that we can all work together to curate is that group of people outside of hospital medicine, medicine in general, who we know are engaged and like this and, and bring them in, kind of bring them into the fireside and, and help them see, you know, have them kind of using their networks to bring these things forward. And you use, you also both talked a little bit about how fast and agile the, the journal has been able to move. And I just want to share the story story that uh, I'm going to tell this story for forever. When Mark Hurtling sent me his essay uh, to read, because I, you know, I know him and he's been on my show a couple of times, I said, Mark, what do you think of this? And my first thought was, can what would Journal of Hospital Medicine do with this? And I had no idea what was going to happen at all. But I sent it to Samir. He got it in front of you. That article was published in 72 hours. That's insane. <laughs> Samir. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. That was pretty impressive. Vinny, Samir, let, Samir, I'll have you start because I sent it to you first. Did you say, we just need a new process. This has to get, this has to get published. I got to get this in front of Charlie and Vinny and the rest of the editorial team fast and publish it because that's what you did. What was that process like for you? I could not believe how fast that got turned around. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the article and I thought, this is fantastic. We had talked about having an article about leading during crises in in our COVID issue. And you sent me that and I thought, this is exactly what we were looking for. Um, so I was able to connect with Mark that same day, walked him through the submission 
process, reached out to a bunch of editors. So we have a rapid review process within the journal now. And what that means is when someone submits an article, if we have no intention of publishing it, it's just not a good fit for one reason or another, we tend to reject it without further review. So we don't send it out for formal peer review. And our average turnaround time for those articles is less than one day. That means that we save the author's time. If we're not going to publish it, we're not going to waste your time. We'll give it back to you. You can submit it somewhere else. And as part of that process, what we've done is we've we connect with a bunch of editors by email within a short period of time. And so this means that I send out the article to our senior deputy editors and a number of other editors on the team. And the goal is to have three or four editors respond to me within the hour. And the, the, the response we're looking for is, you know, don't think we should move forward and this is why, or, hey, I think it's worth moving forward and this is why. On that article, got a bunch of responses within about 20 minutes and everyone was like, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> so with that, it was then just doing some copy editing for it, making sure that everyone who wanted to weigh into the article on the article had a chance to weigh in and then moving it through our process. Our editorial manager, Susan Hyde, was absolutely amazing in dropping essentially everything else that she was doing to, to get this article through the process. And and as a journal, we've, we've created a bunch of important metrics that we track. Um, one is the proportion of manuscripts that we send out for peer review. The, the goal is to, to send out the, the fewest number of manuscripts as possible, meaning that every manuscript we send out for peer review, in an ideal world, we would accept almost all of them. Obviously, we're probably not going to be quite that good, um, but it does, mean, it does mean being more selective up front rather than on a back end for the benefit of the authors. And so right now, we... We send only about 30% of the articles we receive for formal peer review. So that adds efficiency to the process. Less less burden on our editors, less burden on our peer reviewers. Um, so that's really important. The other thing we really focus on is our time to first decision. And for manuscripts that we send out for peer review, our goal is to have uh, a first decision within 21 days. In 2019, we were at 14.4 days. So so pretty amazing. Lots of work going on on the editorial side, but hopefully the authors benefit from that. And then as I mentioned before, our, our time to reject without review is less than a day. So we're, we're turning these manuscripts around pretty quickly. Our goal is to get all of these manuscripts published within 60 days from when we accept. But you're and way ahead high, of that now. I mean, you're, you're miles are, ahead of that now. We are, and for our highest priority articles, yeah. the goal is to get them out as, as soon as we can. And so with this COVID issue, um, many of these articles we've gotten out pretty quickly. And what was really fun, it was almost like a um, you know, like a Supreme drop or something or a Yeezy shoe drop where we were dropping an article every day um, yeah. enough to keep people excited and interested and waiting for the next thing. Oh, totally. Uh, You've been tagging me on really all of them fun. on Twitter, and I'm like, yes, it's here. This is great. <laughs> 
No, Samir, I think it's totally clear that you've completely changed not just the the process, but the expectation from readers. And I think that that's really, really wonderful. Th- there's a lot more for us to do. We're going to pivot into a part two. So for those of you who are enjoying this episode, part two is coming wherever you like to download your shows, make sure you grab it. And we will see you in part two with Samir Shah and Vinny Aurora. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.